Hi everybody and welcome to Sephra's Green and Greener show where we learn simpler ways to leading a more sustainable life. I am your host Sephra Abraham, also the founder of Green India, a one-stop vegan shop. Today I have a very special guest. I am joined by none other than Namita who is the founder of one of my faves and Ode to Gaia. Hi Namita, how are you doing? Hey Sephra, thank you so much for having me. Hi everyone that was a really sweet introduction thank you i'm doing really great for about you amazing now that you're here and i'm getting to interview you i'm so happy it finally happened i know so i can't believe it's taken us like 3 years to meet it's crazy like we i feel like i know you cuz we've yeah today's episode is all about you okay so without further ado let's get into it and my first question to you is do plants feel pain <laughs> No, like, I, I, I know. know that was the first thing we came up in our script like we have to start with something so ridiculous it was really funny do plants feel pain if you think that then i think you should go back to school because plants don't feel pain or maybe they do and we just can't know them heavy heavy i'm going to i love that answer but okay now that we've uh, you know done the upar upar ka nonsense let's get into it um i want to know about nemita okay who who is she who is this mysterious amazing founder who is you know doing so many cool things all at once we want to know about you before getting into your journey with an otogaya wow that's a pretty loaded question uh who am i wow okay i need to be stone for this <laughs> <laughs> so um i As some of the basics, I went to seven. I was going to be twenty-eight. I am essentially. Um, I I don't know why I don't even know what to say. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I have um, started a, a business without having any experience in business. <laughs> Over with the city, I kind of stumbled into this career. And outside of work, I'm just someone who really loves life and. I want to be able to live my best life in whatever I do, and I try to. Uh, I'm also pretty like an extra. <laughs> yeah, go for it, dude. <laughs> do abuse. Go for it. You already said you wanted to be stoned. I mean, I don't. I don't see how abusing is very far yeah, further from so, this, but yeah. So um, to just go back to that, I'm I'm pretty fucking extra, and yeah. I want um, to be like that. I think uh, life is too short to be basic. Mm-hmm. It's too short to live within the confines of what people expect you to be like, or people expect a woman to be like, yeah. or an entrepreneur, or you know, a chef, or whatever. I don't. I I feel like I don't fit into any of those boxes because I kind of stumbled into this career. I never planned for it. So I would like to also live life like that without you know, knowing what I'm about to do. Even though I am a bit of a planner. I still like to be pretty spontaneous and um I don't know what's happening next in terms of you know work or my life and in some ways it's kind of freeing and I literally enjoy that um however coming to work there are some structures and plans that I have been finally working on yeah one of them is finally opening an outlet woohoo and me so now the work has officially started to get there yeah um other than that there's not much else about me I'm, I'm a pastry chef i've started dabbling in food and um cooking which i wasn't very good at but now i am mm-hmm. uh i've really been enjoying 
um, you know, be out there more. I, I spent many years, you know, hiding away from the forefront of everything I was doing. My Instagram profile was private. I was very like, you know, behind the scenes, but now I'm really enjoying not being behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to be a little basic, I do enjoy the occasional travel, shopping, makeup, you know, all of that. How sweet. And please tell me you have more to add because I could just listen to this. It was such a, you, I, I'm not joking. You answered it so well. I, I, I was just, I was thinking in my mind, like if someone asked me that, I would have a one liner. I don't know. Next question. I'm just trying to think of whatever I like and tell you. I think that's who I am. And obviously I'm a cat mom. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Tofu. Who is more famous than I am? Okay. Before I ask, I have I have so many questions about you. But before that, I love the name Tofu. <laughs> Why Tofu? Why Tofu? I get that all the time. Because one, Tofu, the the soy-based product, product. <laughs> <laughs> is soft and delicious and it, you know, it's, it's yummy. Tofu is yum, it's um, comforting, mm-hmm. you know how to cook it, right? And when I adopted my cat Tofu, I saw a picture of her in this Ahimsa business crew and someone said that, you know, I found this cat living the gutter of him and I saw this picture of her and I was like, oh my God, I need this cat. She is, she, the picture just spoke to me. And there were two names, mm-hmm. Cleopatra. Oh, yes, I know. Whoever gets this, please take the name. It's so cute. It's so sweet. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Or Tofu Scramble. And when I looked at her face, she was a bad bitch like Cleopatra. She was a soft and yummy little cushion. <laughs> so cute. It's just she's just a giant pillow, you know. And and so is the prawn up tofu. Yeah. So I felt the name was quite befitting. <laughs> Wow, man, oh, like, summer. you've put, like, that, that's a good amount of thought into your pet's name. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I accept it. Okay, now back to you, okay? So, I want to know, I know you said that you had no experience in business, neither in a petisserie before you opened one. So, why don't you tell us, what did you do in college? What was, you know, 18-year-old Nemita up to? Oh, you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, um, I studied in the UK. Mm-hmm. I studied uh, footwear design and development and I was dabbling in a bit of accessories and jewelry as well. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy um, you know, working with my hands and creating something um, like sculpture, design, like a physical piece. I really enjoy that um, because no piece is the same yeah. you know, when you're hand making something. I was very keen to get into something like um, material art, like jewelry or sculpture or even ceramics and clay. Mm-hmm. But then my dad and all of them were like, how you gonna make money, make, like, are you gonna be a potter? <laughs> you know, you know how it is, right? So yeah. like my younger, my, my older cousin, brother, he wanted to become a pastry chef. He wanted mm-hmm. to become a chef. And my grandmom was like, oh, so you're gonna be a cook. And then he just, that dream just died for him when he was a kid. And now yeah. after like 20 years, he's living that dream. Yeah. So, you know, when parents say those things, it kind of hurts. But uh, I decided not to choose that career path, obviously. And I uh, focused on footwear design because obviously there's scope in shoes. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted it to be like a completely vegan uh, footwear line or footwear uh, brand. Doing things differently. That, that's also another thing about me that I really feel that whatever I do should be impactful yeah. uh, for the greater good, not just for myself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can make money, but you can't 
what's your legacy then? Yeah. yeah, what have you actually done that's making you proud or making you feel like, hey, look at what I've done? Yeah, you know, my parents excitedly show pictures and videos of my work or my any articles or whatever of me or, or my sister yeah. to other family members. I feel like if I was just doing something basic, then would they? What are they gonna show? You know, they close the stock market by Shankia. Like, where's the fun in that? I love the I love the comparison to the stock market. Yeah, I'm boring. I try very hard to understand it. I deserve. So no offense to anyone in it. So I um, I only wanted to do something fun, creative, where you know the even the sky is not a limit. Yeah. And um, I really enjoyed the footwear space. You know, I I love fashion. I love you know quirky shoes, things that are a little different and make you stand out and make people say, oh my God, what are you wearing? Yeah. And, and to be able to make those kinds of shoes for yourself was, um, was a great, you know, exciting idea. So I studied that, um, I got bored halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I was working there as a merchandiser. This was in London? London, yes. Okay. I was working in London wow. as a merchandiser. It was there for a few weeks. It was just mm-hmm. the most boring job in the world. And there's no creative freedom. I felt like, you know, I was, I was purchasing for brands like Bushka and things like that mm-hmm. and designing, the kind of designing for them and I could see the amount of plastic uh, and waste yeah. in that industry and I was like, okay, I don't know if this is my calling. Yeah. So I decided to move back to India. So when was this, like mm, approximately? I 2000, I graduated in 2016. Okay. And 17, I decided to move back. So mm-hmm. for a year, I was... There, I did about three, four months. I was backpacking around Europe and uh, just like living in like some island for like two, three weeks, not doing anything, just cooking, same pasta every day, swimming, smoking, that's it, drinking, uh, just chilling. You know, like I studied for four years, I just needed that break before coming back to India. And I did want to explore Europe because once you move back, now you're not going to go back here, you know, some small island in the middle of nowhere. So it's much easier to travel from the UK. Mm-hmm. And it was very um, exciting to see the, you know, these local island shops and these local um, designers and artisans, the kind of materials they use, how creative they are. It really opened up my eyes to, um, there's so much beyond your leather and yeah. all, um, you know, vegan material, which is just plastic. So um, I, when I moved back to India, there's a brand called Pinatex that makes um, material out of pineapple leather. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's very cool, very durable and sustainable. And I think they were just founded when I was in university. Mm-hmm. So they had come to our school, done a couple of demos. We had seen uh, shoes actually being made, wallets, things like that. Yeah. So when I moved back to India, I decided to start a men's footwear line. Okay. Uh, I wanted to eventually move into women's, but men's was like more... Um, Men need us, like, okay, yeah. they need some help, like serious help with their fashion. So I felt like, you know, marrying sustainable fashion mm-hmm. or footwear in this case and luxury, you know, luxury fashion would have been a really good idea. Yeah. But I think the idea was too premature for India. Mm-hmm. You know, men wearing shoes made out of pineapple leather in India, which is such a one price conscious, yeah. two, they don't care about sustainability. And three, they're so brand conscious, especially when they're spending so much money. Yeah. You know, because pineapple leather was very new. So to get cactus leather, pineapple leather, mushroom leather, and get all of these sustainable, you know, cork and things like that, and use those in your shoes and train your artisans and your curry girls on how to make it without waste. Yeah. It was just 
a lot and I was very excited to do it. I found the factories, I even went to China to source the materials and factories and all of that when I eventually decided to make it in India. Yeah. Um, I realized that I could do a great job but the receiver is not going to be able to receive it the way I want them to. Right. Um, and I just didn't think India was ready at the time. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, I was, um, you know, I moved to India and I was uh, very lactose intolerant, I mean, I still am. Mm -hmm. And I was making cheesecakes. I was baking, I had just really turned, you know, vegan um, a year or two before that. Okay. And um, I, there was nothing in India. There was no breakout dawn milk. There yeah. was no, you know, no, there was nothing. There was no soft spot cheese, nothing. So I was making all of that myself. Wow. Nobody knows this. My Portugal started with almond milk. Oh. Yes. And God, I had some brains back then because logistics for fresh almond milk and cheese is an absolute nightmare. And back then I was like, yes, do this. I am not sitting and becoming a Dumbala, sending cheese. I don't know how. But Shout out to, I was just going to say that. She is a badass boss. I just, I was just 21 or 22 and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sit and milk the almonds. <laughs> milk the almonds early morning, store the milk in my fridge and then deliver it without it splitting. And yeah. it was a lot, you know, and um, it was difficult to like make chai and stuff out of all of those. Correct. So you're a chai lover. I'm not chai. I am chai over coffee. Yeah, you should have told me I would have arranged some vegan chai for you. After a fine cup, I can't have chai, then I won't sleep. <laughs> Shit, that, that's a similarity. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I am having great tea. Yeah. yeah. So, I, um, I was, I experimented with dairy alternatives first and that yeah. gave me the platform to say, okay, if I can make milk, if I can make cheese, um, why not make a cream cheese which yeah. is, you know, neutral in taste. Mm -hmm. I used to make a smoked Buddha, I used to make smoked uh, cream cheese, I used to make fondue with wine and everything. So I was very much into making authentic dairy alternatives yeah. into dairy-free versions. Mm -hmm. That excited me, the challenge of doing what's not being done. Yeah. And then I, uh, I started, you know, experimenting with cheesecakes. I started experimenting with creme brulees and panna cottas, the things that are egg heavy and dairy heavy. And that, um, I also had no friends as a vegan, you know, because my parents were like, get out of the house. My sister was like, don't talk to me about anything. <laughs> And all I could talk about was me. Yeah. And you know how in the beginning how it is, right? You're mm -hmm. so passionate about that. And then life hits you and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? So I, I was so passionate about, you know, this um, new thing that I had just discovered. So when I started um, making all these alternative ingredients and alternative products like cheesecake and whatnot, I started going to all these potlucks and taking my cheesecakes and my desserts. Mm -hmm. And it was just so other people could experience them. You know, I had no intention of selling any of it. And then um, randomly someone would be like, oh my God, I haven't had cheesecake in seven years. Whoa. I haven't had cheesecake in 20 years. I have that dairy. Uh, where did you get this from? Who makes it? And I'm like, you know, I just need this at home. Like, I don't know if it's good. I was so embarrassed of what I was making because I thought it wasn't like good enough. Um, I mean, that's the imposter syndrome that I guess all women have at some point. And uh, then people were like, can you make my wedding cake? Can you do my birthday cake? And I was like, um, no, I don't know how to do all of that. And there were so many requests for cakes and brownies and cookies and cupcakes. So I started saying, okay, let me try and make one. But then I started studying uh, recipes and then I started making my own. Okay. I started experimenting with buttercream and what can I replace butter with, how do I make 
um, a, you know, a creamy, soft uh, cheesecake. How can I make a tart, vinash, tabla? And I would study the actual, like I would watch YouTube videos and learn how chefs were actually making these products. Mm -hmm. um, what was the science behind it? And then how I could replicate that in, yeah. in a vegan way or a dairy-free or egg-free way. And that was, um, it was super exciting um, to be able to give people who haven't consumed these products for so many years or months yeah. or decades sometimes. It was so fun to be able to, it was so fulfilling to be able to give them something like that, you know, yeah. to see the look on someone's face and they're like, I haven't had a cheesecake in seven years. And now they're, they're able to eat it every day or every week. Yeah. It was just, it was just a beautiful feeling of, you know, just pure joy yeah. that you're ready to do this for somebody, you know. And um, people were like, you should start a business. And my parents were like, oh, you know, you're winning the house. You're just baking so much. And there was no space to dining table. It was covered with packaging material. I used to sit behind, the, uh, behind my cook's bike. Mm -hmm. And he was not cooking anything for the house. He was helping me with all my desserts. Sometimes we would go to events together till two in the morning. We used to sit and bake. And then, you know, he would wake up in the morning, make tea for everyone. And then we would start baking again. Yeah. So he also became a chef. He was earning a, a bit from water guy as well. So, so when was this? This was all in 2018, at And then I realized that okay, maybe I should perfect this skill a bit more. Perfect, but I can prove it a bit more. Yeah. And if I wanted to start something that I needed some experience. Mm -hmm. So I started exploring pastry schools. But there were none that were 100% vegan. Mm. There were one or two in Spain and Italy and France, but yeah. they are all in the local languages. Yeah. So I was like, okay, my four or five years of French is not going to cut it. It's too rusty now. Yeah. So I started taking some online courses. They, I honestly, I was making stuff that tasted better. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this is not okay. Let me now go. I went decided to go abroad. Okay. So I went to uh, a couple of I just cold emailed and phone called a bunch of pathicities across the world from Australia to Singapore to, you know, a bunch of the US, in, in Canada, in London, all vegan ones. And I was like, will you take me as unpaying labor, please? Okay. And a few replied, um, none in Australia was really going about that. And uh, my aunt lived there, so I lived in their house and I would go every morning, 5 a.m. shift, I would work in the bakery, opening, time of pocha, like mm. everything. And um, I used to also work, help them in the hot kitchen because you know, they, I was technically right down. They could yeah. do whatever they wanted with me. So I was like chopping like... So wait, where, where was this? It was in Toronto. In Toronto. I was okay. chopping like buckets of onion, buckets of... Fear. I used to make like two, three thousand french fries every day. And why? But I was also making dessert. I made a lot of mistakes. But they were so kind, so patient in yeah. um, guiding me. And uh, I never actually worked in a real bakery. Correct. It was just another level of joy to be able to do that. And um, except the unbaked part. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I learned a lot. I worked at a bakery that was completely vegan, gluten-free, and soy-free and corn-free, allergen-friendly. Correct. Yeah, it's very big abroad. Yeah, know, it is well. much bigger than it is. But here. you know, I have a lot of allergies with it. Just you know, like, oh, acidity here. You know, but actually, you're allergic to it. Yeah, we are going to very true. So, they, uh, I worked there. Then I worked at one that was also vegan, gluten-free, refined sugar-free, soy-free, corn-free. It was like everything free but the, i never tasted better products in my life they had a cookbook so because the owner the founder she yeah. her daughter was allergic to a lot of things so she had autoimmune disease i think and uh, a few different um you know disabilities yeah. that prevented her from consuming like meda sugar mm -hmm. processed oil even the oil was refined um, unrefined mm -hmm. 
Wow. So I purchased a book and I started making those recipes. Um, they weren't the same in India because the ingredient quality is different. Yeah. But to know that you can make the same thing or it's not even better. And you can make it free of all of this. Yeah. Made me feel that it was like a challenge, right? I already enjoyed making vegan stuff because it was against the norm. Correct. And this was like even against that. Yeah. So it was really exciting to be able to do something that's so different and so out of the box, mm-hmm. quite literally. And um, I'm, I came back to India after about two or three months. And um, I start, I built a small kitchen in my, my garage. That garage was my dad's first office when he started his business. Okay. So wow, really nice. emotional. Yeah, it was all ego and stuff. Um, it was nice to be able to, you know, yeah. uh, start there. And um, I then I went to Paris for three, four, for, like, for a week. I studied with um, this pastry chef there for three days learning French pastry because I learned American pastry and yeah. this was like French and it was only three days where I learned so much and then I came back and and this was in 2000 no this was in 2020 that I went to Paris I really wish I was stuck there dude you don't want to say that chota oh my god being stuck in Paris is better than being stuck in India no I mean you don't know I mean I don't know depends on how many people you know and you know how strict it was, like you couldn't go even one kilometer from your house. However, the good thing, the, the, on the bright side, I came back here, within a week I found tofu and within a week there was a lockdown. So she came to us just before the lockdown. Damn. And what we, there was nothing to do, so yeah. I had just moved into a bigger space. I had you know, gone from like no employees to now having like seven or eight people wow having okay. to manage that you know yeah. paying salaries not letting them go and even they have to you know pay bills and whatnot so luckily at the time the business was able to support that we i i know i jumped ahead so much oh, fair but yeah. all of that happened over the years of you know the beginning years of Otragaya. but what i also did at the same time was i started going to one of these events pop-ups and just getting the word out there yeah nobody was making cheesecake at the time Except those frozen cashew cheesecakes, which, you know, they're a nightmare to deliver. Mm-hmm. And I was doing baked cheesecakes. So it was just fun to give people these options, not just vegans, but people who are dairy-free, people who have allergies, people yeah. who just want to be healthy and all of that. And um, slowly I just built the team. I had, I started getting chefs on board. I built the page, the Instagram page, the website. Yeah. And people from all over the world started following us because... We were creating something vegan that looked like a little piece of art. Yeah. And number one, didn't look like a pastry. You know, it didn't feel like you want to eat it. And two, it was, it looked so, so pretty. And that I wanted people to say, there's no way that's vegan. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, veganism was so, like, it was associated with all your, like, gravas and seed. I wanted to, you know, reduce that uh, type of thinking. I wanted people to say that, okay, I can eat something vegan and it can look this beautiful, yeah. I don't have to compromise on anything. My whole, the ethos of Otanai was no compromise on values, on ethics, on sustainability, on flavor, on yeah. taste, look and feel, everything, you know. And I mean values overall as a business, not just values like, okay, we're, not, we're in a new plan base, but you yeah. know, like we wanted to source better, we wanted, we want to obviously over time reduce plastic. Um, so these small, small things make a big impact. So 
yeah, I mean, I, I hope um, this inspires more for the cities to, like my whole idea was if I can do it with no background in, in pastry yeah. or baking or any hospitality or whatever, if I'm able to make this just through watching YouTube videos and experimenting, then other patisseries can also, you know, can you include vegan ingredients, they don't have to avoid it. And it just overall, if more people make these slightly better decisions, the impact is greater. Me being vegan alone, or I quoted that being vegan alone, is not going to have a, as big an impact as maybe thousand patisseries having just one or two vegan options. Yeah, exactly. That increases your impact. So I hope that you know somewhere mine and other patisseries or able other vegan patisseries are helping with that butterfly effect, that snowboard effect, and inspiring others because that was part of why I did what I'm doing, yeah. why I'm doing what I'm doing. No, I'm sure. I'm so sure you get like a ton of DMs saying, and and I do know that you also take um, online classes. You still do that? I, I haven't done for the last year or so, but I yeah. do teach. I really love teaching and I would like to transition into that, um, not full time, but definitely much. Like a big more. chunk of your... A big chunk of my time yeah. should go now into teaching. Again, because that's a higher impact. Good. I would rather educate and, you know, groom uh, 100,000 chefs to make vegan products yeah. than just be like, only I can be the vegan pastry chef in the yellow yeah. world, you know? I want more people to be able to um, make vegan products. That's um, my biggest dream, I would say. That's amazing. Okay, I'm going to delve a little bit into, you know, a couple of details I think that we missed in your journey. So the last thing I remember before is that you moved into your, your dad's garage, yes. right? So take me through from that was 2019 or 2018? Twenty, I think eighteen. Eighteen. Okay, and then you said you moved into a bigger space. I'm assuming that's twenty twenty. Uh, yeah. In COVID, we moved right. from the garage to an apartment. It was an empty apartment of my aunt. Okay. And she was obviously stuck in lockdown in Dubai where they lived. Okay. And her apartment was in uh, in, like where my kitchen is, and it was empty. So we just stripped it of every bed, table, yeah. cupboard, everything, and uh, we just made it into a giant kitchen. Yeah. Wow. And cut to today, where are you now? Uh-huh. Now we finally, it's been about six months, we've moved into our first official commercial space. Okay. So it's a proper commercial kitchen uh, in an industrial estate in Jaipur. Um, it's uh, about, uh, I would say, I don't know, 1800 square feet plus wow. 800 mezzanine, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Um, and it's it's been great. It's... it's um, Sometimes I regret that decision, but why? Sometimes when we fall short of space, I'm like, okay, thank God we moved. Because rent, overheads, everything du- is double in a commercial yes. space. That's you know? very true, yeah. When your goal is to, you know, pay your team better and to buy better ingredients, chunk of a chunk of your money is going into just maintaining this space. Paying mm-hmm. the rent and paying the electricity is, you know, the biggest chunk of our overheads. Um, so I just feel like it's such a it was just the, you know, it would just increase our sales, yeah. just work harder, which is obviously, you know. Part and parcel of every uh, yeah, business, of yeah. But it was just um, kind of overwhelming to go from the comforts of an apartment where we were also, obviously, we had overheads. Correct. This was like a bit more real. And um, it's scary. Like fire license, this license, this safety, this blah, blah, I know. Uh, changing our FSSAI, all the 
the red tape is yeah. is like every day we have some BMC person coming, we have someone or the other harassing us, you know, and they see that a woman is running the place, they like to so there's a lot of things that come with working in a commercial space. Right. You know, I had to actually the, the biggest challenge yeah. was I had to start hiring guys. Oh. Because I was in all it was an all women kitchen, an all women team, uh, executive team, admin team. I wanted to give women who are pushed out of the hospitality industry an opportunity to grow and thrive. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking for a head chef, I was looking for like an executive chef for my uh, overall company, or uh, not just Autogang, but other brands. I couldn't find a single woman. I couldn't find any woman who's been like a super senior executive chef, uh, you know, for a long time. Or I found women who were chefs or senior chefs and then they dropped out to, you know, either take care of family or they had some other obligations. So I, every senior person, you know, F&B controller, purchase manager, every senior role was a man. And I wanted to build a business that also gave women opportunities to grow in the hospitality and F&B space. Um, without, you know, the other challenges that they face. Like yeah. I, I've heard so many horror stories of, you know, women being mistreated and you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 exactly. And being, you know, you know, harassed and abused and you can't go home late, they can't stay overnight in a hotel, night shifts. Yeah. So when I had to start night shift and I had to um, hire uh, a, like a delivery person and all of that, Number one, there were no women, and any yeah. of my my female chefs were like, "Be our parents and I wanted us stay and be on yeah. like eight o'clock, nine o'clock." So I realized I had to hire men, and while I'm okay with hiring good talent, it was just you know upsetting that there just wasn't a choice. So yeah, I mean uh, that was one of the biggest uh, challenges also moving to the new place where you know you're spending more time on HR activities. You just to look for a woman specifically, yeah. you know, or someone from like a marginalized group who would not get an opportunity to work in the hospitality space. That was my part of my vision to create a space like that where, you know, those who can't work in these spaces like restaurants or whatever do get the chance. So now, so you can sort of say that you are creating the senior positions through their work at Anotogaya? Yes, in fact, just today I had a conversation with my chef saying, you know, I, I envision you growing into a sous chef in the next few years and your yeah. goal should be CDB by next year and all of the, you know, titles in the industry. And it made her really happy and uh, that I recognized that and it yeah. made me really happy that someone from my team can grow into those senior positions, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to be able to um, create an environment where they can not just learn, but they can grow in their careers, not just with Otogaya, but yeah. whatever they've learned here, they can take it somewhere else as senior female chefs, you know, that's, that's quite fulfilling. That is amazing that, you know, you're not just, cre- I mean, wait, correct me if I'm wrong, are you, you, you're a much bigger team, of course, you started, you started with zero employees, yeah. today you have... Uh, 21 to 22 oh my god a success story right there like from 2018 to 2023 that's just five years five yes my math is not that bad 2019 is when we got our first employee okay wow so in four years she's grown from one employee to (laughs) she's grown from one employee to like 21 that's so impressive I hope you I hope you take a step back and you know you actually sort of let it let the you know sun shine on you a bit because that's really commendable i, I have to do that sometimes yeah. i need to really realize that i am living 
chocolates and then we grew up and we both entered different fields we forgot about that and now we're actually doing it or at least i'm actually doing it you know so i guess somewhere that seed was planted two decades ago and my grandma was also like heavily into baking she was one of like the best bakers in our community and family she used to bake for all the cousins and wow. you know gujaratis have like thousands of cousins Then it's to bake for everyone. Well, that's crazy. I've almost never heard of grandmothers. I mean, it's usually oh my god, my grandmom's recipes in terms of cooking. But she was like selling. No, no, no. But I, I very rarely get to hear that grandmom's baking. Like that's really cool. Yeah, she used to. So we never ate any vegetables. You know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> so she used to hide all the vegetables, zucchini and carrot and stuff, beetroot yeah. in the cakes. And I guess she made carrot cake before it was cool. Mm-hmm. And We that's how we used to eat up eat vegetables. Oh my god! In cake format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally in cake format. So I have this carrot cake recipe that used to be on my website, and I removed it because yeah. no one was buying it because it was too healthy. Yeah. It was made with almond flour, hazelnut flour, jowar, and grated carrots, and it was sweetened with coconut sugar and maple. Mm-hmm. So it, and it had like this unrefined coconut oil and some cold press, and you know all of that healthy shit. It was so healthy. It was so. Being good, it was so good. And I would literally eat a slice for breakfast. So I have a collection of cakes that I can actually, you can actually eat for breakfast. You know, yeah. with oats and all of that. Wait, you're you're selling them today? Yes. I'm going to be reintroducing them and like redesigning them in a more comforting avatar. Okay. So I made all these healthy cakes, very extra looking. You know, flowers, yeah. all these decorations, and all without refined sugar or or like maida or anything. But they just didn't feel comforting. Mm-hmm. They just felt too fancy. So when you want to eat like a comforting tea cake, you mm-hmm. want it to look ugly. <laughs> you want it to look comforting. You don't want it to look like some pretty princess. Yeah, like more relatable. Relatable, exactly. So I'm reimagining these desserts. I'm going to be introducing um, more relatable <laughs> stuff. So not me, but I did with that. So would you say it's a little bit more basic? So basic. <laughs> yeah, it's too basic. But you know, sales. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> So I oh my god I have so many questions left. This was only part 1. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we release part 2 and we delve into who Nemita really is and how she built her brand Ode to Gaia. See you next week.